Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my own money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. Regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season and it's time to bet on the xfl and when we bet on the xfl we bet on landry jones baby which would make week one a little difficult because uh nowhere to be found but if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot try a parlay you can uh, parlay the dc defenders with the texas cowmen and for something and either way it lets you win a bunch of money so it's a good way to go if you're going to bet this season do the smart thing Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is February 9th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Uh, We're through our technology difficulties. And uh, I think the first order of business, though, is to... to The first order of business is to congratulate Wes. He is at the Bradenton, Florida Outpost, and he won... The pristine first edition of Gridiron Genius. Congratulations to our buddy Wes. That's awesome, man. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for sending an email. We got a couple different emails um, from a lot of different parts of the country. And uh, thank God none from overseas, because I know we do have some listeners over there. And by the way, guys, overseas, don't be dissuaded to email in. We will send uh, future giveaways anywhere. Antarctica included. Saw a picture of Antarctica the other day. It wasn't covered in snow and realized that they actually have seasons there. But it was nice uh, to get in touch with, uh, you know, some of the fan base that way and some of the supporters of the podcast. And if this book is as good as you say it is. And by the way, I've heard some stuff on some other podcasts about that book as well. So hope you enjoy it. Um, Should shed some light on some of Belichick's strategies that maybe we can steal. Like, you know, I don't know, camera-related activities or steroids or whatever they do up there for Julian Edelman. Uh, so I'm going to probably cut that out of the episode because I'm the one paying for the postage. Well, maybe we'll just send books on. <laughs> we'll send an audible book. So the theme of this show is getting the band back together. And we want to talk right. about a couple of guys out there that you may have heard of. But the first guy who has been locked in is Kevin Colbert. He signs on for 2020. Yeah, I'm. I'm just... Shocked! I can't believe that he came back. It's amazing that David Tepper 
former minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, current uh, freewheeling billionaire owner of the Carolina Panthers. It's amazing that he wasn't able to pry him away from the Steelers. I find it funny that uh, they pretty much established last year or the past couple, or past couple years ago that Kevin Colbert's going to be year to year, and it's pretty understood that he's going to stay basically as long as Ben stays on. And I wouldn't be totally surprised to see if, if Ben retired after this year, maybe Colbert continues to stay on with the Steelers to see the culmination of this defense that he took about 34 years to build to see what they can get uh, to become. But this is generally no knowledge uh, – Kevin Colbert's getting towards the end of his football career, and I was surprised how much flack we took on Instagram, not Instagram, Twitter, um, when David Tepper was looking for a GM, and there were rumors that, yes, he's going to pursue Kevin Colbert, and we said, that's great, of course he is, he knows Kevin Colbert, there's no chance it's going to happen, and people kind of fought back on that, like, oh, well, you never know all these other reasons, and at the end of the day, here we are, we all knew this was going to happen, it's mainly clerical at this point, right? You have to unmute before you talk, I realize. No, me. That was me, sorry. You asked me a question. Hey, do you wanna do you wanna start from the top? Yeah, I do. Let's do that. I've I can't get a, even a single word out. Alright. Let's just go from right after when I uh, finish the commercial. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's February 9th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. Hello. We want, we want to start the show by congratulating Wes. He lives at the uh, Braden, Florida, Bradenton, say that twice fast, Florida Outpost, and he won the first edition of Gridiron Genius. We got that dog-eared issue out to him earlier this week and uh, really want to express our thanks to him for listening to the podcast. Yes, thank you, Wes, for writing in. Thank you to everybody who wrote in. We will give you more opportunities, uh, hopefully with some different type of giveaways. Uh, Luckily, Dad, you are a learned man. You ingest reading materials and other such things. So this may not be the last opportunity for this to come up. But congrats to Wes, who is the winner. And thank you for everybody else for touching base. And maybe we'll get a little bit more involved with, like, some social media competitions to try and get, you know, some conversation going in the future. But for now, we just wanted to touch base with people kind of one-on-one and uh, see where uh, people are enjoying the, the podcast, see if that's something that people are interested in. Maybe going through some of the materials that we use to, to learn a little bit more about the game. So it's pretty cool. Well, my, that may be an overstatement of my, in, my intellect, but there are definitely more books coming uh, along the way. So keep on listening. We're going to embed those. We'll embed that in, uh, later into the podcast. That's right. So I struggle every week trying to come up with a theme for the show, especially when we're not in a game week. But the one I came up, for, came up with this week is getting the band back together. And one of the pieces of the puzzle, this isn't technically pulling a guy back in, but Kevin Colbert extended for yet another year. Yes, shocker. David Tepper was unable to pry him away to the Carolina Panthers, much to all of our shock, right? That was annoying, by the way, when David Tepper, former minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, current uh, free William billionaire super spender owner of the Carolina Panthers. He already broke the bell curve for paying coaches, for paying Matt Rule, a guy who hasn't ever coached in the NFL. But uh, he, when he was looking for a GM, it was reported that he would try to pry away Kevin Colbert. 
from the Steelers. Maybe not prime away, but they said that he'd be interested in interviewing or getting Kevin Colbert, which should not, number one, should not be a shock to anybody. It's the only other GM he's ever worked with. Kevin Colbert's the man. But number two, it shouldn't be a shock to anybody, uh, despite what some of the people try to say on Twitter while this was going on. It shouldn't be a shock to anybody that Kevin Colbert's back. I mean, they've basically been telling you for the past few years, Kevin Colbert is more or less year to year. He's more or less tied with the Tomlin and Ben administrations, if you will. And once he's done in Pittsburgh, he's probably done with football in general. They're not signing him to a year to year contract to be like, hey, this isn't a Kirk Cousins in Washington situation where they just couldn't make up their mind if Kirk Cousins was the guy for the job. Kevin Colbert is phenomenal. Look at the pieces he's put together uh, on the field, the pro bowlers, the great players, whether you say what you want about them choking in the playoffs or this or that, the reality is the only people who don't choke in the playoffs are the Patriots, right? The reason why Kevin Colbert is year to year is because he's getting ready to retire. So it's good to see that the formality was uh, breached, if you will. And Kevin Colbert will be coming back. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be a reason for a guy late in his career. There's nothing really for him to prove. I get, you know, and as you said, he he wants to maybe track this defense, and he's got a he's got a piece of the offense we need back. But what would be the reason to go? Um, right. I wanted to try something new here. I don't know if it's going to work well because we're going to do it within the confines of the podcast. I have a trivia question I want to pose. And you guys can write it down and shout it out at the end of the podcast, and I'll read out the answer. And you can self-report whether you got the thing right or wrong. Well, why don't we tweet it out? After you, you can read it out loud right now, and I'll tweet it out after the podcast. Okay. Uh, you know what? Because everybody's going to be able to look it up. I trust them. I trust them. I think people are pretty cool about that. They, they want to see if they can get the right answer. I'll All be right. able to tell. By the way, if you look it up, I can tell. I can tell by the way your fingers hit the touch screen that you are a lying, lying person. Well, if you're following us on Twitter, we have a bead right into your, all your technology. So here's the right. question. How did the Steelers score their first points? Ever. And this is multiple, multiple guess. So a fullback two-yard run for a touchdown, a halfback option pass, an interception return for a TD, a field goal, or a block punk into the end zone. Fullback run, halfback option, interception, return for a TD, field goal, block punt. Those are your selections. So, All right. So you can we'll, get out, that we'll out there. We'll put it on Twitter. That's an awesome question. I never thought about that. I, the first points for the Steelers might have been the three years into their existence um, based on how long it took for them to get good, but that's really cool. We'll post that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how you guys do. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really interesting history. I'll tell you right now, I would not know. And if I didn't have the outline right in front of me with the right answer, I don't know uh, what I would have predicted. But um, maybe next time I'll have to shield that from myself. So A.B. is out there. He's out there. Le'Veon. <laughs> He's really out there. Not- Le'Veon not exactly meshing in New York. Would you want them back on the Steelers? Sign me up, baby. Uh, I don't think that there's a chance in hell that the Roonies will let Antonio Brown anywhere near the Steelers. Um, so, 
And I just don't think you in your right mind could ever let him on the team, especially with where he's at right now. So I'm kind of half joking. I would take Le'Veon Bell back if you didn't have to pay this guaranteed salary, which you're pretty much going to have to do. The Steelers have bigger fish to fry. We never thought that signing Bud Dupree would be such a large uh, priority, but it turns out that it is. I just want to cut in. Let's have this conversation uh, acknowledging that the Steelers are already over the cap and they're going to have to shed people just to get in there right. they want this year. So acknowledging, unless AB took a took a team-friendly veteran minimum contract, it's not going to happen, let alone Le'Veon. Right. Well, that's the – yeah, exactly. So it's probably not going to happen, but can you imagine if you had at least one of those killer bees back on an offense that does have a lot of cool pieces? We've talked about you got to worry about the aging offensive line, but they did play very well this past year despite what people want to say. When the quarterback holds the ball for six seconds and then runs into the defensive end, there's not a lot you can do to protect him, Okay. So they play well. Obviously, so much of the season hangs on Ben's right arm. This running back situation, the ones who aren't injured aren't fast. Uh, but there are some good guys. All of them have had good games. And I actually really like the receiving core that the Steelers have. I think Juju will bounce back when he has a professional NFL quarterback. But at the end of the day, this defense, which looks like has a, they have a pretty decent chance of keeping intact, that's the star unit of the team. Imagine if you could get another one of those stars and leaders, even though Antonio leadership isn't the, the word you would pick for him. He is a leadership with his work ethic and how confident he is and how he raises the play of others because you have this confidence that he's on the field or with Brown or these guys who really know the Steelers. So it just feels like if you had one more of those guys on offense who's been there, done that, it would increase the swag level and you you might be some sort of Super Bowl favorite. So, yeah, I don't know. You're right. It would take Antonio Brown going even crazier than he already has and deciding to play for a veteran minimum and Ben Roethlisberger removing what I assume must be a restraining order that he probably has put on him after all those interviews. Look, I, I think we have a – I don't know if it's a major problem, but a major concern at running back that, that Connor can't last the season – um, Jalen Samuels is not the man, and Benny Snell is Benny Snell got to prove, got to prove it. And and when you listen to Le'Veon, he had uh, I was reading some of this interview. He said, he said, looking up the quote, everybody's blowing everything out of proportion. Bell said, "Water under the bridge. We're fine. We're good. Jets for four more years, unless something drastic changes." And uh, if you listen to Adam Gase, right? I'm Gase. What are you, John Wayne yeah, he, Gacy? He wasn't, he wasn't very, uh, know, he he doesn't look very positive towards, <laughs> towards Le'Veon. Okay, so for anybody who's not familiar with the, the situation in New York, um, Adam Gase is a douchebag. He just, he is that. I'm not saying he's a good or bad coach. I'm actually, that's exactly what he is. He's not good. He's not bad. But he is dislikable. He's prickly. His eyes are way too big for the size of his head. So it's unnerving. And it's not a good quality to have, but he has it. And he has a way with words um, where he says things and they sound offensive and idiotic. So he stuck his foot in his mouth a few times when it comes to Le'Veon Bell. Basically after... He didn't sign Le'Veon. The rumor is, you know, the GM, I don't remember if it was Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum was the one before that. McCagnin. I guess it was McCagnin. 
won the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes. The rumor is the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes was between the Jets and the Jets. There was a fake rumor of the of the Ravens offering a certain amount of money. But long story short, it became common knowledge in the NFL and to Adam Gase, you could have still signed Le'Veon for maybe four or five million dollars less per year, or you know maybe twelve million less to the overall contract or whatever it is. So it's not that he doesn't like Le'Veon, it's just that he knows they're overpaying for him. And you guys, anybody who's listened to this podcast, we had the overpaying running back conversation for two seasons in a row with all of that Le'Veon stuff. So I think that's where he's coming from. But also at the end of the season, when Gase was interviewed at a press conference on whether he wanted to keep Le'Veon Bell, he responded incredibly curtly, almost cut the reporter off saying that, don't talk to me, talk to the GM about player personnel. And the guy said, well, do you want Le'Veon back? Talk to the player personnel, which is where the douchebag thing comes in because it'd be so easy for you to say, yeah, of course we want to have him back. But you know, we know that the business is people come and go, not talk to the GM. Although I, I heard this, that the reporter who was asking the question might've been Manish Mehta, who is just a pot stirrer in New York. So maybe no matter what the question is, Gase was, would dismiss him. But that's why, uh, Le'Veon might not might not be in New York for that much longer, and the GM admitted that they'll listen to offers for him. Um, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Would you want Le'Veon back? Because you even look at the Super Bowl every year; they never have a star back. The uh, the Niners got a bunch of sort of second tier guys. Their best running back, Mostert, got cut from eight teams. But the thing about him is. Yeah, he was cut from eight teams, but he has elite speed for a running back. You at least have talent at the position, even if you don't have a lot of money wrapped up into it. And that's what worries me about the Steelers running backs is that, yeah, there's not a lot of money, but there's also just not a lot of physical talent outside of James Conner who can't stay healthy. In a heartbeat. I mean, there's no question. The only question is, the only reason you'd say no is because what you'd have to give up. Right. I don't have any doubt. I mean, I'm not going to look for some... Diamond in the rough, or some journeyman who just happens to be like D'Angelo Williams, just right time, right year. Right. And it was just serendipitous. They relied on him. They relied on him so, so much when Le'Veon Bell was here, and his rapport with Ben in the past game was crazy. That the, like the the most dominant Le'Veon Bell plays were the counter to the left. And the check down pass when Ben would just toss it to him two yards in front of the line of scrimmage and he would just make things happen. And yeah, you can say that he has a lot more carries on him. Um, but of course, you'd love to have him. The price tag's just going to be too high. So I, I don't know if it's sort of a fruitless discussion, but I think it's more of a philosophical football discussion where it is like us admitting, yeah, they need another guy that they can really rely on an offense, especially with the big question mark of Ben's elbow. Yeah, and really the AB thing. There's no chance in hell. But can you? Is there part of you that in the back of your mind is like the best wide receiver in football is available? Well, not in the back of my mind. In the front of my mind, AB the apologist was on ninety three seven the fan once again apologizing, and he apologized to everybody in Pittsburgh except for me, you, right. and Juju, and, and Juju. And yeah. he laid it out there, and he is sorry. Um, he did start and break a little bad. He took Heinz Ward down and some other. Th- it was it was starting to get like I couldn't listen to it after a while. 
but he's getting much better advice now. And the, and the therapy seems to be starting to take effect. I would take AB back. And, but the, and the reason I'd take him back is because we have a lot of time to pressure cook him between now and when the season starts. I would cut him if he blinked too many times in a minute. But I'd give him a shot. I still am not comfortable with this receiving core until I see it all happen. So some people might think you're crazy for thinking that, but I'm not one of them. I I agree with you. Like, do I? I don't know. It's it's so weird because in one way it seems so obvious that it's like don't don't get this guy. This guy is went from being a diva receiver to a who was like under the radar as a diva. You know, he wasn't categorized as a Terrell Owens. Or anything like that. Even for us in Pittsburgh, who saw the way he acted and knew that he had diva qualities, but he wasn't a to kind of thing. There weren't press conferences, uh, shirtless in the driveway doing, you know, sit-ups. But then he emerged into a true diva. And then over the course of one year, he might be the number one diva of all time with this legitimate worry about his mental health. But I don't want to give him too much um, sympathy because. He's a jerk, man. I mean, he abuses people in his life. I'm not saying physically or not or whatever, but, I mean, all the stories of the people he doesn't pay, uh, how quickly he turns his back on Ben and the, the Roonies more than anybody, you know, and people who, who forwarded him money over the years and, and Mike Tomlin, who I guess maybe now Brown has realized, and like, oh, that was a cushy situation. So, of course, you know from, like, a drama standpoint – it's incredibly risky, but it's like, do you take that risk to win Super Bowls? Because I think that if the sexual assault allegation hadn't come out in New England, I think he would have been fine in New England. He'd be getting his numbers, he'd be making his money, and there'd be some blips on the radar or whatever, but I don't think he's incapable of doing the one thing he's really good at doing, which is being a wide receiver, and as long as he's getting his catches and his touches, and it's almost like... Talman was the guy to control him before. Maybe he could be the guy to control him again. So I I feel almost nervous about putting that opinion out there, but it does just feel like, oh, you might have the number one defense in the league, and then you, if you added the best wide receiver to the offense who already has a lot of pieces, you're one of the three or four best teams in the whole NFL. Roll the dice. Look, I, I'll uh, dispute the assertion. I'll dispute the assertion that Mike Tomlin had control. Who knows? I think A.B. took it as, you know, he went as That's far true. as he did. I don't know if anybody stopped him. He just wasn't going off the reservation. I think the guy had a break with reality. And maybe with therapy yeah. and i.e. and some medication, he can get back on the rails. And, yeah, the, the Pittsburgh situation was fine. So um, it, it was interesting, though, to think about some of what he was saying is true, which is uh, – you know, the NFL is holding him in suspended animation. Let's face it. They're not going to do yeah. this investigation because they're going to have to do an investigation, which they always end up on the wrong side of. And as long as they don't do it, nobody's going to touch him. So they're sort of holding him out there. There's no way he can get back into the NFL. This is like a pocket yeah, at the moment veto. It is weird. You're right, because it's actually so, unjust. And do I, do I care? No, because he was such a dick. But... Like, it it is uh, kind of unethical what they're doing to him, and a lot of people think it's because of the hundredth season of the NFL. So much of it was supposed to be a celebration, and so much of it was taken up by this one guy who's this drama case and another sort of black eye for the NFL. 
especially when you mix in these sexual uh, assault allegations thrown in there, you know, with that being relatively hot. It's supposed to be a hot button issue in the NFL. Sometimes they treat it that way. Sometimes they don't, you know, in recent um, years here. But either way, you made a really good point, though, about how we all sort of have this assertion now that or assumption that Tomlin was keeping Brown in check the whole time. And I think that's true to an extent. Like, Tomlin has such a good way with players that Brown, like, his ability to thrive is definitely partially tied to Mike Tomlin. It's definitely partially tied to Ben Roethlisberger, and definitely the biggest part is just tied to himself and his talent and his work ethic. But it's not like Brown was this crazy the whole time and Tomlin was keeping this under wraps and nobody could see it. He did get progressively crazier. Hey, so I'm going to use an, a, a pop culture illusion, but the culture to which I refer okay. is the one I grew up in, 1670. So when I say this, you tell me, Nick, whether you ever heard of this guy. But the Prince of Pittsburgh is tempting fate with his evil Knievel shenanigans. And the, by the Prince of, of Pittsburgh, I am referring to Juju Smith-Schuster and his cliff-diving proclivities. It's a very cute video he had um, jumping into this ravine of like seven feet of muddy water. I don't know how high up he was, but it was enough. I actually don't want him stepping downstairs, not let alone jumping off a cliff into a, a small pond. So I'd say there are two kinds of people who are Steelers fans. There's the people who um, don't think anything Juju does is wrong, and then there's the type of people who think everything Juju does is wrong. But then I would... But that would sort of exclude us, wouldn't it? Because I think that you're generally fair with Juju. I think that this is going to mess with a lot of people. I don't have a problem with it. I'm like, dude, there's accountants who go on their uh, vacations and make that dive. This is an elite 0.0001% of the uh, athletic. He's 0.0001 athlete. He can jump into the damn ravine if he wants. It doesn't bother me at all. Look at how, the way his body looked, by the way, when he was jumping into that ravine or whatever. He is shredded. He is Marvel movie shredded. To me, that just says, okay, as long as you're handling your business, then I'm fine with it. I'd be more worried about him playing basketball or doing something like that where there's a bunch of sudden movements, cuts, jumps, and more opportunities to get hurt rather than sort of like a, I don't know if you'd call it a controlled situation, but him jumping in there after a couple, you know, the geologists from the seventh floor made the jump themselves. Like, yeah, I'm fine with it. The guy's an Adonis. Look, there was no doubt he did a magnificent, he did a 9.8. I think he pulled a cigar out of his pocket and lit it on the way down and then adjusted his go camera. So no doubt he can do it, but why risk it? His life, but it's our team. It's our year. I I think that that's what gives him. That's what makes him him, though. He just this. this Take your dog to the park for life. Film yourself with he that does. stupid dog. Bougie. Bougie. All mm. his dog park friends leave him good luck notes before the games. He I'm does just take a, the dog to the park. I'm just afraid he's got to keep one upping himself, and we don't need we don't need him to endanger that. Let's put okay, a ring on. Well, it. Put a ring fair. on it. And then we can jump, you know, we can scale the uh, Empire State Building. I don't know. Maybe he will. I think uh, if we get to that point, we'll get, we'll get there. And then I, w- I would say that, yeah, that would be an issue. Um, but to me, just the cliff jumping thing, I'm sorry, it just doesn't bother me. Um, he 
clearly has been training his butt off. He's always done that. He's he's so prepared every season, and he's phenomenal player. And I think part of what makes him a phenomenal player is his mental makeup. And we know that all of these guys in the NFL are freak athletes. But then there's some guys who have even a, an extra level of athleticism to them, like Juju. When you see him, like, how is a guy that thick? How is he that cut? And then how is a guy that thick and that cut able to play wide receiver, a position that requires a lot of grace? He just has some natural talents that people don't have. But part of what makes him him, part of what makes him able to withstand the mental grind of, you know, 25 weeks in the NFL season or whatever it is, is like this fun-loving attitude he has. And I've never seen it take away from him on the field, really. Um, I know people want to say he had a down year, and he definitely had a couple bonehead plays or whatever. But, dude, he's playing with the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen play football. These guys were as bad as Kent Graham, and he's the worst athlete to ever walk the face of God's green earth. And nobody is going to have a good season with that guy. And then on top of it, yeah, he had a fumble and a drop and things like that. Most receivers do. I think we get caught up in this. We don't realize how conditioned to Antonio Brown we were when you might have seen the greatest receiver of all time for like a five-year stretch. He didn't drop a ball in five years. And so Juju has like one fumble or two fumbles over the course of the season. We're like, oh, he's a bust. Minka Fitzpatrick wants a change. He does. He wants to be more like he was on the Dolphins. Which he didn't like. why he left the Dolphins. Right, so Dolphins fans are a little little booty hurt. Uh, You can't blame them. I would, too, if I traded away the best safety in the NFL on the second year of his five-year rookie deal contract uh, for a single first-round pick and some other, you know, negligible uh, rewards. So they're butthurt because Minka said he wanted out of Miami because they're playing him at too many positions because they played him at about 11. They really did play him at too many. There's a difference between moving a safety around and doing what you do with Troy or with the Honey Badger, where, yeah, you're going to play you know strong safety or free safety, but then you're going to come up and cover the team's tight end if we're playing a team with a Greg Kittle or a... Not Greg Kittle. Part of my takes got me conditioned. I call him Greg instead of George because Greg's just a better name. George doesn't sound that fearsome. But either way, if you're playing George Kittle, you know, maybe Minka goes up and covers him. Well, he did not like that Miami was moving him around so much in his rookie year because it didn't give him a chance to get his sea legs and get good at any one position. And so he cited that as one of the main reasons why he wanted to leave when he got traded. Of course, Dolphins fans, you got to remember, that's not the only reason he was leaving. He was doing you a favor by not saying out loud the other reason why he wanted to leave the Dolphins. Because you suck. They're terrible. They, at the time, it seemed apparent that they were going to lose on purpose. And now they ended up better uh, at the end of the season than winning a couple games because, as we know, the coaches don't lose on purpose. But when the front office is trading away all your best players, they traded him, they traded Tunsil, they traded Stills, they're trading all kinds of people. You know, the front office is trying to make it more difficult. And then, hey, Dad, by the way, What about the irony of this? The Dolphins acquired all those draft picks, but because they wanted to win a couple games at the end of the season, now they can't get Joe Burrow unless they unless they trade all those draft picks. (laughs) So why? So in that case, you traded draft picks. Why didn't you keep Tunsil and Minka? It's like a Dilbert cartoon. Just remember, just remember the uh, the information we got when we asked 
an NFL insider about a particular draft pick we thought was foolish when he said, you know, a lot of these teams are run by ex-football players. Yeah, and we see it happen time and time again. And I know that coaches are coaching for their job and everything, but long story short, part of the reason why he won it out of Miami was because it was a sinking ship. Now he came over to Pittsburgh, and they kept him at free safety the entire year, and he absolutely exploded and almost won Defensive Player of the Year. Um, at midway through the season, he was the front runner. And then throughout the last quarter or more of the season, you never heard his name. And as we know, for a defensive back, that's not a bad thing. That actually usually means that they're not throwing at you at all. So that's a great thing. You're shutting down a huge part of the field. But as Minka said, he didn't have as much of an opportunity to affect the outcome of games by making splash plays because other teams were just deciding straight up, where's Minka? We're not throwing there. And so now he's open towards moving around a little bit. So, yeah, situations change. He's playing on a defense that's 10 times better than the defense was in Miami, and he was able to master one position, and now he wants to diversify a little bit. I respect it, but we all know that the Miami fans or beat writers can't honestly be thinking like, like, oh, this guy's such a hypocrite. They're just taking a shot at a guy who was almost a defensive player of the year, right? Do you think what really happened is that Minka saw a lot of tape of Troy during this Hall of, run, Hall of Fame run-up and realized that's the think, kind of player he wants to be. Oh, well, that's true. You're right. During the Hall of Fame run-up, because that's all over TV, because I was going to say I don't think the Steelers allow safeties to watch tape of Troy because then they might get some bold ideas that they are incapable of carrying out. It appears that uh, one of the rookies, the Steeler rookies from last year, has obtained a, an off-season job on General Hospital. Did you see Deontay Johnson's Instagram post? I hope to God that it's a general hospital uh, acting role because I didn't realize the man was injured. Well, he doesn't say that. He's talking about Ima, must be the nurse's name. I'm a bounce back. Oh, God. I am a bounce back. Should I cut that? I'm a bounce back. Hey, did you you tell me whether you ever heard of Evil Knievel? Did you ever hear of Evil Knievel? Of course I've heard of Evil Knievel. It's basically big, Elvis on a motorcycle. Okay, the big Snake River jump in a rocket yeah, ship. Yeah, I'm about, I'm a bounce back. I'm a bounce back. Last night I took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Anyways, it's a little big Sean for you, but uh, yeah, it looks like he had some sort of surgery. And judging by the picture, I can't really tell what it is. I wish that he'd give us a little bit more information. It's funny that they're, he's from the social media age, where like. I guess he's not giving the exact injury, so you'd wonder if people asked him not to share that, but he couldn't resist sharing, like, hey, I'm, Honestly. I'm in the hospital. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> check it out. So there is some developing news, uh, so far an unconfirmed rumor, unless uh, you've heard differently, that the Steelers are picking up a new wide receiver coach from South Carolina, Brian McClendon. Well, we know a pretty... Um, Massive story from last year that we forget about, I believe, is is the death of Coach Drake, the receivers coach. Uh, the Steelers coach died last year training camp time, and that's just a, a huge emotional blow to, to a team, let alone an organizational blow. And by the way, combine that with losing Ben for the season for the first time ever, a couple weeks later, the Steelers really did overcome a ton this year with the AB stuff going on, all that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, I don't know anything about Brian McClendon, but it looks like um, 
they got a new guy for the job, and they'll be able to go into this season hopefully with a little bit more continuity with the coaching staff and this young group of receivers. Yeah, so uh, following up on Jen, John Ledger gave us a little background. He came right out of school, tried for the NFL, didn't make it, but he ended up being running back coach at Georgia. So he has seen the likes of Isaiah Crowell. Is that wrong? Crowell? Uh, Crow- Crowell. He has seen the likes. He was in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, he's seen the likes of Isaiah Crowell. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Todd Gurley, uh, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. And then Michelle he moved Moreno, over. Maybe? He's also, huh? No Sean Moreno? Maybe that was before his time. I don't know. He also was um, the OC and, wide re- and, and lately has been the wide receiver coach at South Carolina. So. Obviously, right. he's got a little seasoning behind him. Again, we're bringing some a new guy up from the college ranks, and we'll see how he does. Well, let's see how he does in the cold weather, because those are some, some soft, warm-weather places. Better get ready for some snow, McClendon. How do you like the XFL 2.0? Well, I just picked up some banh mi sandwiches from uh, a place called We Banh Mi. O-U-I, so I really don't know what the French connotation is there. There is no French crossover. But this is relevant information because I did watch about six plays of the XFL while I was there waiting for the Bomb Me to be uh, packaged up so I could take it home. And that is that's probably the extent of my interest. I, If I had to rate my interest for the XFL on a scale of 1 to 10, I think it would be a 1, honestly. I have no interest in minor league football, essentially. And I've heard this idea floated uh, some different times by people. I think the only way I would be interested is if it went on at the same time as the NFL, but like on Tuesdays and Wednesdays or like when there's no football being played. And so that way... Like, during the regular season, you could have almost seven days a week of actual football when you combine the college games and everything and the Thursday night games with it. So at that time, I might be able to – I'm just so into it, I might be able to look at it. But these quarterbacks, all the people who are playing, and no offense to Landry, they all sucked in the NFL. I just can't be motivated to watch them and other people play in the XFL. It just feels like a a season-long preseason, as much as I love Eli Rogers. Let me give you some advice. Watch some XFL. It's cool. As a matter of fact, I started yesterday by watching the D.C. Defenders throttle the Seattle Dragons 31-13. to Is it the AAF? I think it's a notch up from the AAF and from a play perspective. It's kind of cool to see all these ex-Steelers. You know, Eli Rogers was 6-for-6 for 73 yards. We have Landry, which would be cool if he ever... And then some... (laughs) Like really oddball names to Gray Scales. Shamarco Thomas is playing. We got a bunch so, of guys, yeah. Sammy Coates. But I would say um, the AF's technology was way better. I mean, the things that they had on the broadcast online. You mean? No, the online stuff. The broadcast is why I love to watch the XFL. You have mics on everybody. I got to hear Trips Left nine hundred two wide out before out before I uh, joined the podcast. You, you're listening to the coaches call the plays. You are in the booth with Robert Liu, the replay f- official, deep breather, by the way, and you can watch him looking back and forth <laughs> the tapes to make a um, an instant replay call. So everything's That's banked brilliant. up. You're right. On, it's almost like you're right on the field, and you hear these guys talking. 
The one thing I'd note is that they have no inoffensive names. There were no politically incorrect uh, mascots involved. You've got the Defenders, the Roughnecks, the Renegades, the Wildcats, the Guardians, the Dragons, the Vipers, and my favorite, the Battlehawks. I'd rename this podcast if we didn't get branded already. I think that they should take those names and... You should make them as controversial as, as possible. I want to. I will go watch the Texas Rednecks play. The Red, the Roughnecks. Nah, I don't know about all that. They had nice crowds, and the crowds were into it. They were having a good time. They had looked like fifteen thousand in most of the games I was watching. So, and this is not. I don't look at this as something I'm going to watch soup to nuts every weekend. I look at when I'm like going in and out of the house, walk the yeah. dog, walking past the television. I'll yeah, spend exactly. ten minutes, and um, I think it's it's cool. I hope it's well, successful. There, there's been a huge response and like this overwhelmingly positive response from it, and even like NFL analysts and the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world are saying, "I love the XFL. This is so great. This is so exciting." Um, one of the Excuse me. One of the big things that kept coming up uh, is kind of what you were talking about is just the media access that you get getting to hear the coaches speeches, getting to hear the quarterbacks call the plays. That is so cool. We have a we have podcasts just to try and decipher what what's happening in those avenues for the NFL, right? That's such a huge part of the game that listeners and casual viewers do not get any part of. So it's brilliant that the XFL is leveraging that. XF, NFL football isn't just interesting because of guys hitting each other and throwing the ball and catching it. It's the strategy. It's the gamesmanship. It's the emotions and the narratives, and you can capture a lot of that, th- a lot of that stuff if you put mics everywhere. It does, work, it does baffle me to how, like, how does the other team not have access to that? If the XFL eventually got competitive enough, they've got to have somebody feeding you know, them that information, just, right? Well, it's probably true. I mean, things are moving a lot faster in that game. Less uh, the the uh, play clock's a lot shorter. But yeah, I guess they could hear it. You know what else I didn't That's mention cool. when when you heard the coach call the trips Y out on the replay, they labeled the Y receiver. Wow, that, sort of, that brings the guys who don't look at this thing day in and out into the game. Well, that's awesome, and I do like to see that stuff. And um, it's just, yeah, I don't know if uh, I like the strides that they've made with rules. Um, I like what they're doing, you know, the overtime rule and everything like that. What's the overtime rule? Is it a two-point competition? Like it's a you go back and forth on a two-point conversion and to see who wins there. It's not like a sudden death thing. So I think that they have some good things for that. I, you know, what I like the only minor league football I ever liked. I like the arena league. Why? Because they score 60 points each a game. There was just something about it that was a little bit different. It just sort of tipped the scales. It's like, hey, these guys aren't as good as NFL, but when you turn it on, it feels a little bit different because of all the points, just the look of the game, because they played on those weird field turf things, and it's just this constant action. So if the XFL could find a way to make that constant action, like, a, a real focal point by taking rules like the one you were talking about with the sped up shot clock, find more ways to do that. And then I might be a little bit more, more interested because to me, you have to find a way to offset the lack of elite talent. Yeah. So we'll give it a shot. Hopefully I hope it lasts. For the I sake always of root for players. Terrence Garvin. Oh uh, yeah. As I came into the podcast, yep. he was down. He had to be carried off the field. Hopefully he's okay. Hey, listen, uh, 
I'm gonna we're gonna cut out here just so I have enough time before bedtime to get this podcast out. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna tweet out the trivia question as yes. a poll. I'll see if I can do the poll. I think it should be pretty easy, right? Yeah. You're, you're still a millennial. You should be able to do that intuitively, right? Yeah, you're right. I probably will just open Twitter and my thumb will instinctively do it. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.